Hey everybody, I am Tanya Soraya. I'm a postdoctoral fellow who's being appointed to a research assistant professor right now at the Medical University of South Carolina, and I'm a clinical psychologist where I work with patients and do research on trauma and addiction treatment with a focus on opioid use. Uh, my name is Jocelyn Rogers. Um, I also work at the, universe, the Medical University of South Carolina as a uh, research coordinator looking um, at PTSD and veterans with a joint appointment at the Ralph H. Johnson VA Medical Center in Charleston. Hi there. Uh, my name is Natalie Ocean. I used to work at the Medical University of South Carolina, but I'm now the chief operating officer at a healthcare tech startup based in Memphis, Tennessee called MedHall, where we help to solve for the challenges that patients face in getting access to transportation to medical services and appointments. Nice to be here again. Yay! Season two. So basically what we're going to be talking about today is just the transition from school to profession to wage disparities to being where you want to be and doing what you want to do and how you want to do it. So we're going to start with um, Tanya, Dr. Soraya, um, and talking about her experience. Yeah, um, transitions. I mean, you guys should interrupt me whenever. So this is a fun convo we can have. But first, they're hard. I feel like, you know, adapting to post-pandemic, if we're even there, if we can even say that, I don't know. It's hard. I don't know if you guys feel this way, but it's like just change in any way takes time. But in terms of work, I'm like moving from being a postdoctoral fellow, which is just like, you know, academic language for somebody who finished their graduate degree and got at their clinical training, but then is getting even more training because apparently you can never get enough training and then becoming a professor and I've talked to Jocelyn and Nat a little about how it's kind of crazy how much your salary changes with these jumps. Um, so I'll still start there, but I want to hear what Nat and Jocelyn have going on, what they think with that too. Yeah. So what the salary changes, I'm hoping they're positive salary changes with each of those jumps. <laughs> yes. Thank God. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's, that's interesting because I've, I've, also thought about going into the academic path very loosely. I don't think it's something I want to do full time, but I think it's interesting all the different ways, especially with the different degrees that people have, like the spectrum of opportunities that are out there, um, like the, and also the different routes that people can take to kind of get to where it is they want to be or where they see themselves going. Um, I know for me, I went to undergrad thinking I wanted to be a physician or, or a clinician and um, that, I, that, didn't, that wasn't my path, obviously. I mean, my science courses and my grades told me that, hey, it's been four years, you need to figure out something else. Um, <laughs> but I knew that I wanted to be in healthcare. And at the time I didn't know about the healthcare administration space because I didn't know anybody formally mm. in that space. And so I thought if I wanted to be in healthcare, I had to be a doctor or a nurse or some kind of clinician doing direct patient care. Um, so it wasn't until after I graduated um, and moved to Memphis, and I was working at an academic medical center. I actually started working there because I wanted to go to their med school, um, but obviously, like, I would have had to taken, I would have had to have taken, like, some prerequisites, and I spoke with some of the um, admissions deans, et cetera, and it just didn't feel, it didn't feel right. It felt super forced, um, and then I came across uh, the University of Memphis, um, right down the street from my job, has 
health administration program and the way that it was structured just sounded so much more like my personality and the type of work that I wanted to do where I can still be in healthcare, but not give direct patient care, but also do work that has a direct impact on the delivery of care to patients. Um, so it felt super like, like it tied into my administrative work experiences. It tied into like what I generally wanted to do and just took the middle part about middle part of having to go to med school out of the equation. Um, and I think for me, even getting into grad school, it was super challenging because it the application cycle is every calendar year. So if you didn't get in the first, you had to wait until the next year. And it took me three years to get into grad school. Mm -hmm. uh, undergrad was undergrad was rough for me ac academically. So that's partly why um, I didn't have the grades and I also didn't have um, some of the kind of prereq courses that they probably would have been looking for in an undergrad degree to um, accept people into their grad program. But for me, this felt like a good kind of pressure. Like I every time they said no, I was like, well, we're going to have to figure something out because y'all going to have to say yes sometime. Okay. <laughs> but I think for me, like that was like the most grad school, getting into grad school and actually going through grad school was the most horrifying, the most Mm. struggle like the biggest struggle I've ever had to go through but also the best and most rewarding experience ever just because I saw the way that I was able to push myself and I also saw the opportunities I hadn't I would have had no idea about otherwise if I would have just continued to force my path on trying to be a clinician um, so I think everything kind of happened for a reason but also I think there's a lot out there that a lot of people don't know as far as options for transition or for kind of expanding their career path mm. uh, Jocelyn, how was it for you? Like when you were in school, like, did you know exactly what you wanted to do? Are you doing exactly what you wanted to do? Or did you end up having to like pivot a little bit? No. So, you know, I think that y'all know at this point, but like when I, when I went to Carolina, I was pre-pharmacy and similar to you, Natalie, <laughs> uh, after my first semester. You were pre-pharmacy? I'm sorry. <laughs> Girl, no I, idea. <laughs> I was pre-pharmacy um, for one whole semester, freshman year. And um, intro bio and Kim um, kicked my ass. And I was like, this is not going to work. And not that I didn't have like the ability, but me being a freshman on campus away from my family and all this excitement, I just, I knew that I didn't have the, the capacity in my mind and in my, what I wanted to be my social life to accommodate that. So I was like, let me find something else, which is when I went to public health. Um, and uh, when I was applying to grad school after undergrad, you know, I had two options because I, I had started working, I graduated early. So I graduated in December, which, you know, I'm a semester ahead and most people are like looking for their, their entry-level persons, you know, more so towards the summer and, you know, early fall once they graduate in, in May. So I had already started working by the time I went into grad school and I was like, I don't want to miss out on this money, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, which is why I chose between going um, residential to Chapel Hill versus doing online at, at Kent State in Ohio. Um, so I, I went to Kent State and the, the program wasn't as robust as I wanted it to be, obviously compared to Chapel Hill, but um, it was feasible for where I was in my life. Um, and I was still able to make the money that I wanted to make. But then once I got into it, uh, I realized that there was more that I wanted to do and you know, I just, that's when I kind of started my transition phase. Like once I graduated doing my practicum and so I had to maneuver a little bit and I, I did end up making less money from where I was after undergrad to where I currently am, like in all the positions afterwards, it's like, you know, going into what I really want to do compared to, you know, where I was, was, was challenging, but 
finding that path and making it make sense um, was hard. It was a transition. And I'm still, I'm still trying to figure it out. I still don't have the answers. You know what I mean? Like when people ask yeah. me, what, what is it that you want to do and where do you want to be? I don't, I don't have that answer. Um, <laughs> not even close, but similar to Natalie, like, you know, I do want to, I do want to serve the people. I still do want to be in some type of providing field without being a provider or a clinician. You know what I mean? So Mm-hmm. Well, I have a question. Like both of you have talked about like making it work for you. And Nat, you were mentioning like applying to grad school a few times. I guess how have you navigated since we're speaking of money, money during those times? Yeah, so luckily for me, um I specifically there was a specific reason why I chose to go to grad school at the time that I chose to start applying and going to grad school. So when I was working at the academic medical center, I was working as a temp um, the first couple months that I started there. And then I realized that there was um, there was an employee benefit to where um, employees, if they were full time, can get tuition assistance. And so I was like, so I got to get a I got to get a promotion because I need somebody to pay for grad school because I'm not paying for it. Um, records were super expensive and I just, ugh, I wish I would have done something different. But anyway, um, so I knew for me that one, I did not want to have to pay full out of pocket. I had to pay like a little bit, like maybe like two to $300 a semester, which mm-hmm. is nothing in hindsight to like the full scope of the cost of grad school. But um, I knew that while I, w- I knew that one, I had to then figure out how to transition in my current role from attempt to a full-time employee so I can get that benefit. And then two, how to go ahead and start the application process. Because one, I don't know like what my status at the organization would be as far as my job. Like I can't guarantee that they're going to be like, I'm going to be there the full time that I'm applying for grad school as well as when I get into and finish grad school. Um, right. so all, I mean, I, I felt secure in my job, but again, you never know what could happen. So it was definitely, I was on a time, I felt like I put myself on a time crunch. Um, so I was making decent enough money to where like, I, again, I didn't have to worry about paying the full cost of grad school. I was still living at home with my family. And so I was able to, to save up. Um, and it's interesting because once I didn't know about the opportunities post-grad other than just getting a job until I actually started grad school. So for my degree, the Master of Healthcare Administration, um, usually uh, or sometimes individuals who graduate end up going to an administrative fellowship path. And so essentially what that is, it's, it's kind of like a um, limited term duration, full-time employment opportunity. But within the opportunity, you get to explore different functional areas within a hospital and health system. And that was perfect for me because I, to Jocelyn's point, like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like, like I, I kind of, like, for me, it's always been about like, what kind of impact do I want to have? What kind of work do I want to be doing versus what organization do you want to be at? What title do you want to have? Like, what's your end goal? That's, that's really tricky for me to kind of navigate towards. But I think over time, you get better with refining that response as you get more experience under your belt. Um, but get going back to the administrative fellowship experience, I was like, okay, perfect. So as I'm still figuring things out after grad school, I can still be making money. So I made a little bit more than I was making um, at um, at my job while I was going to grad school uh, in the fellowship. So the fellowship um, was in Charleston, South Carolina, um, where Jocelyn and Tanya are. Um, but um, the fellowship, I knew like, okay, here's what the salary is. Some fellowships are flexible or they're open to negotiation for salaries, but I didn't know that going in. So I just figured like, hey, this what they this kind of what they advertise. I asked like a quick question and said, "Hey, is there? Can I ask for more money?" And they just said no. So I didn't think to fight back. And that's something I think we want to talk about um, later on in this episode about how to negotiate properly and how to advocate for yourself. But um, 
I didn't know any better. Like this was, I've never heard about this kind of experience. I knew from some of my peers who were also going through the same process at the same time. But again, didn't know that I could have negotiated for a higher salary. And maybe I could have, or maybe I couldn't have, but I never, I never tried. Um, and so I went through the fellowship program. It was one year. And then after that, uh, started to look, well, not after that, but like towards the midway point, you want to start looking for a job because you know that the recruitment process takes a while, application process takes a while, et cetera. Um, and so looking for a job was challenging because again, I, I was starting to refine a little bit more what I wanted to do in my professional career or my professional space, but the salaries that I was seeing wasn't necessarily aligning. So I ended up taking a job, super enjoyed it, loved the work that I was doing, but I quickly hit my ceiling to where the next step of advance would have been taking my boss's job, um, which is great for my like um, learning aspect because I learned a lot. Like I learned way more than I thought I would. I did things that I always said I didn't want to do, but like actually learned how to do it in the in the event that I ever get put back in that kind of a position. So I'm speaking specifically about finance, don't like it, have no interest, but in that position that I was in, I did a lot with finances and budget and um, things of that nature, as well as other things that were interested, interesting, like business development and program management, et cetera. Um, but even then in that role, once I started to hit that ceiling, my boss and I had a discussion and we talked about um, like advancing my, my position because it was just me and her in the department formally. Um, I was in a coordinated position and we were looking for me to advance to a manager role. The position that I was in was created, like I was the first one to fill that, that, that role. So, I mean, I was like, why not move me up to a manager? Because she's at, at a director level. So there's room for like more iterations of like roles in between there. So we worked together. We crafted this um, draft um, position. I spoke to HR. They helped me kind of put it like make it more formal and make it more um, like official. And then we took it to my boss's boss and it was shut down. And I just felt like I'm tired of having to um, fight for what's obvious and what's like rightfully mine. Yeah, and and what you deserve, you know, what you're worth. Right, exactly. And I feel like there are certain people when they get to certain positions of leadership, and again, not knocking anybody that I'm hypothetically referencing, but once you get to certain positions of leadership, you start to lose sight of like what people are actually doing at the ground level as far as what their contributions are, what are their challenges yes. on yeah. a regular basis. And so I always felt like, hey, I noticed that this isn't working right. Let me come up with a plan. Let me figure it out. Let me just present it to them so they can see like what it is I'm going to be doing. And it gets shut down. Like, oh, well, we, you know, we have to take it to such and such. It has to go through approval, yada, yada, yada. And for me, I'm like, at the end of the day, if you're advocating for whatever the mission or whatever the bottom line may be, and I'm presenting you something that's kind of going against that and I'm offering a solution and it has to go through all these channels of approval. I'm not asking for money. I'm not asking for any of those things. It just be simple processes that I want to change or update and then get shot down. And then of course, when I brought back, when I brought forth the promotion um, that was shot down for ridiculous reasons, but either way, I knew that I, that just, it just wasn't the the space for me. And I knew that I, I wanted to progress and that I needed to leave in order to do so. Um, unfortunately, but also fortunately, because you don't want to force yourself to stay in a, in a space that's limiting your growth or that's preventing your growth. Um, and so luckily I knew my friend um, who had, who was, we've, we've, we've known about the startup idea for a while. She's talked about it before I moved out of Memphis uh, the first time. Um, but now the company was kind of formally in place, uh, got some funding in place where she could bring me on full time. And I took that leap of faith um, with this opportunity. Again, I'm not like rolling in the dough, but I feel like for me, it was more so about the way that I was able to do my work in a way that felt more freeing and felt more 
I don't want to say controlling because of course I don't have a hundred percent control over everything that goes on because we have a team that works with us. But I just felt like I could bring things to the forefront. I could present a solution and I can go ahead and execute without having all these issues. There's always going to be some level of red tape, but the corporate structure in some scenarios, I'm not going to say all because I haven't been in every corporate environment, but being in a startup has definitely shown me how much I can do from a leadership perspective in ways that I probably couldn't have experienced at this stage in my life in a corporate environment. Ooh, that was a long answer. No. But yeah. <laughs> That's so good. I mean, and it's crazy because a lot of times when I think about stuff like that, I think about these companies that value, quote unquote, you know, what you think in your head and what you, what they tell you, value you so much, but then, but then lose out on such good talent. You know what I mean? And I feel like, I feel like that's where companies kind of lag, um, knowing that they have the resources, knowing that they have the ability to support and to take care of people who have, who have made change or who have poured into these organizations who do have the ability to, you know, take whatever project or program or, or situation or company to the next level, um, mm-hmm. because they're not willing to pour into their needs, they end up, you know, losing good people. So right. I've done that too. So it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Tanya, for you, how was the, how was, was salary a factor in kind of when the timing of you making decisions about transition took place? Or was it like, well, I know that this has to be my next step. So you kind of work with the salary as you approach that, that next phase? Oof. Um, it's not really as much in my control. Like I, the only reason I'm becoming a professor because of the way MUSC works is I got a grant and the grant has you have to be faculty to get the grant and so it's kind of like because i was chosen for this idea and project that i now get to be promoted and get this bump in my salary and execute this project and then in grad school you know like you don't get to determine any of that your institution kind of owns you and then they pay you what they want to pay you and what they don't pay you you loan out and internship salaries at least for clinical psych PhDs are set and postdoc salaries are set so you don't really negotiate till you get where i am which is kind of crazy because a salary that's you know an internship salary is like like not a lot. It's like 20 grand. And that money goes farther in Charleston than it does in like New York City or Chicago or San Francisco. Um, and we probably go farther in places like, I don't know, rural. I don't know rural areas. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I think it's, it's kind of a new territory for me. And, and I, something I think about a lot is that like I didn't have money in college or grad school and I really depended on my family. Like I've been so fortunate with them. Um, But I like used to have dreams of like, when would I have a job that like has benefits and is like part of the salary. And you know, like, I don't know if you guys had those dreams, but that was like all I used to think about in college instead of working at like Publix, which is what I did straight out of college. So I think that kind of answered your question. Maybe it kind of didn't, but. Yeah, no, that that's definitely on, on par with what I was um, looking for in a response. And um, I definitely have had um, those dreams of like, when will I get like a real job that pays me real money? Because yeah, after grad school <laughs> and after undergrad, I, I worked at Marshall's. Um, and then when I moved to Memphis, I worked at uh, DSW, the shoe store for um, 
yeah. I was trying to figure things out. So I was working as a temp during the day and working at Marshall's in the evenings. Um, and I was also auditing classes because I wanted to, because I got to a point in the application process where they were like, just, well, take these classes and we'll see how you do before we make a decision on you being fully like, before we think about your application again. But Wait, so you had to take classes and then they would tell you if you got a job? No, 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 uh, for, the, for getting into grad school. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. okay, stop. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, like for me, like money's always been, not necessarily, um, I don't want to say, well, money's important. Like you need money to survive, unfortunately. But um, I've never like been wealthy or been in a wealthy environment. So I don't know what it's like to get to that point. Um, of course, I want to get there. For me, it's all, it's all about comfort and peace of mind. Like that's what I'm looking for from mm. a financial situation. I don't have to have my bills written down on my calendar like I do now. I don't have to have reminders so that way I'm not late on anything. I could just have it all on auto and just close my eyes and move about my day. Um, I definitely still want to be like budget friendly and frugal because I don't want to just spend frivolously, but I do want to get to the point where I can be comfortable knowing that I have a future. Um, my future has been thought about and considered financially and also present day. I don't have to stress about it on a week to week basis or paycheck to paycheck basis. Um, but I think for me, the you mentioned negotiation and that's something that I still struggle with, and I think a lot of women, generally speaking, struggle with as far as what's how, what's too far as far as pushing for getting to the dollar amount that works for you. And I've listened to several career coaches on this, and um, oh, looking- Nat and her career coaches. Sorry. <laughs> <going on>. <laughs> <laughs> but like looking forward to like the next opportunity where a negotiation is on the table for me, so I can like test out those those pointers and tips that they've shared because mm-hmm. I definitely missed opportunities like especially with my last job on starting out at a salary that at least made me comfortable I definitely settled financially for the last job that I had and it it hit me hard like it definitely hit hard um and it was rough and I felt like why am I in this position I have a graduate degree I did this quote-unquote prestigious fellowship um, program and here I am struggling in a job that I probably didn't need a, gra- a graduate degree for, but I'm definitely thankful for the experience that I'm getting in it because I know that it'll propel me forward in other ways. But financially speaking, it just doesn't make sense that, and again, I know that having a degree doesn't guarantee you any any particular um, like financial or compensation, but it's just like, dang, like I've been working for y'all for a year and like y'all saying I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm so great, y'all. And then here I am like, scraping scraping my, my corner, corners of my pockets and my wallet for like money just to again live comfortably I mean I was able to make it thankfully I was in the south in Charleston where it wasn't like super expensive from a cost of living perspective mm-hmm. but it wasn't like I wasn't rolling or nothing like I didn't know I couldn't save anything while I was living in, like I had no savings in Charleston um so it was definitely super super hard 